0: This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi. Hi. Welcome to Sip, Survive, and Repeat. This is a podcast about survival stories while we sip and wine. Yeah. I mean, they do it every week, so that's the repeat part in case you weren't catching on. In case you weren't clear (laughs) on that. And that's Jenny. That's Danelle. I'm Kenny. Kenny if you can't tell Kenny's voice I don't know what to tell you (laughs) you can't goodbye (laughs) oh Oh my gosh oh Oh my gosh uh so I was gonna tell you guys um I've been trying to think of really cool uh ways to create a YouTube channel Mm, mm -hmm. so um I don't know if I should reveal these on the podcast because someone might steal them but I don't know maybe we should talk about it first Um, You can do
1: it. Go do it. Okay, it's fine.
0: So I already told Kenny one of my ideas. I have, do you remember a couple years ago for like a sales thing at our TV station, we did like carnival fair stuff. And I had these little horse race. Yeah. I had a horse race and I'd call the race in a weird voice. Yes. So I was thinking I might start a YouTube channel where I run races, like five heats a day, and call it. (laughs) Kenny said there's a whole marble situation. Out, out there what?
2: wait there's a big marble racing uh genre of youtube where people build elaborate marble racing tracks oh. and people just watch the marbles and bet with each other and we'll bet like which marble's gonna win
1: i mean i'm into watching pimples being popped so i'm not judging anybody
0: yeah, yeah. so i was thinking about this horse racing thing since i like horses oh, and i have yes. a great announcer I voice i
1: see the i see the correlation okay i i will yeah. support that you gotta talk in the
0: and it's one in the first. And you can't get to the second unless you talk to the third. You know, like there goes something Kenny's like that. Ears. Oh sorry, Kenny. <laughs> sorry about that. That actually was really good. Thank you. Thank you. It there made could, no
1: sense. But I'll be a future. I'll work on it. <laughs> so what's your is that it? Is that No, the oh.
0: other idea I did not announce to Kenny because we were with our boss at lunch, so I didn't want to like he'd oh. be like, no, don't do that. <laughs> he was okay with the horse racing one.
1: <laughs> He's like, you go ahead. You go ahead and do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the other idea I had. Is I want to do, I've been really big into listening to my old iTunes library in the car. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking of doing um, either a weekly or like a multiple times a week thing called um, The Dancing Mom, where I would uh, video myself dancing to various hip hop and R&B songs from the 90s and 2000s. I would also get into that because you're A, a really good dancer. Why, thank you. And B, I love that music. So I also feel like it's going to be kind of like, again, the weight loss challenge, but like just with dancing mm-hmm. and being a mom. Mm-hmm. And so it'll start with me being like terrible, because I haven't danced in a long time, and things will jiggle. And then hopefully, it'll get better. That's the other idea. So it's, a, it's idea. a weight loss dancing mom thing thing that people can tune into. Because why not have an audience? Because they shit. like to watch just random stuff like that.
1: Yeah. What about, could we do this show on YouTube? Yeah,
0: like, we could do this show on would YouTube. Would be boring? No, I mean, I feel like we're all really attractive people.
1: I mean, speak for yourself, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> just kidding.
0: Uh, just kidding. Danelle used to be a model.
1: I was not a model. Oh, She's was an was aspiring in, model. I was so poor that I auditioned. Mm-hmm. I went with a coworker to audition at this talent agency because she was going. So I went along for the ride, and I ended up auditioning, and somehow I managed to get Get contracted into their talent agency. Yes. I never got a speaking role. Shocker. <laughs> but You're, I did. No, no, do... no. Your voice is melodious. Many people have told me that before. Well, I did do an Our House commercial where you saw the back of my head <gasps> and the things remembered photo shoot where I had to hold a baby for eight hours. I mean, so let's a real baby, a real baby. Uh, it was I a no very offense, because I have kids, but like real babies make me sweat. There was lots of chocolate everywhere. It was it was a lot of hard work. I only had a few. I only had a few gigs. It had nothing to do with my looks. It had to do with what I was willing to put up with for some cash. <laughs> but it was good money. <laughs> That's like, like fifteen hundred bucks for that Our house shoot. Wow, mm-hmm. for just, just the back of your head. There. Yeah, it was great. Wow, those days are gone. Damn it. I was going to say, that's how we can side hustle some money. I mean, I would do it again. But I'm not sure I'm quite the demographic they're looking for anymore. We're not. We're not. <laughs> We're not. Actually, we might be for Cleveland. But Kenny's the right demo. Yeah. Get out there, Kenny. Hip and cool. Yeah, I'm OK. <laughs> He's We're like going to sign you up for a talent group, Kenny.
0: <laughs> Get you out there. Oh, my god. Um, all right. I think we already said this last time, but it's still. I'm still going to say it. Happy New Year, everyone.
1: Happy New Year you're making me look at mine. Okay. Well, I just wanted to see
0: what day of the month it was. It's the 13th. So we, we, we've already had some apps out. In yeah. The, but whatever. Yeah. Happy New Year again. Mm-hmm. This um, comes out tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, my God. We're making Kenny work. Yeah. Sorry, Kenny. I was sick last week, so I, we couldn't record because yeah. I
1: was coughing a lot. And let, tell us about the wine.
0: OK. Yes, we do have a wine. Uh, this is from my Wink wine box, which conveniently showed up at the office today. Which, I love that
1: you get it shipped there. Well,
0: <laughs> I would just like to say that our, uh, the, top, the head of our station's uh, assistant is the one who like, hands out mail on the third floor or maybe the whole station. I'm not sure, but she's got her hands full. And every month when it comes, I feel so terrible because it's this box of four wines. That she just a lug up to my office. She and like, she knows what it is. So I'm like, God damn, sorry. But I need someone to sign for it. So I have it sent to work because then someone can sign for it. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, Because if I send it to the house, like... They won't just leave it? No, because you have to be 21. Otherwise, underage people will just deliver wine and booze to their houses. (laughs) I know, but I just feel like that's such a... Okay, whatever. Whatever. It's the rules. Them's the rules. Got it. So anyway, got this wine. And it is Pacificana. It's a Pinot Noir. It's a 2018 oak-aged... I'm gonna guess it comes from the Pacific Northwest with I the name think so. Pacificana. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it comes from California, but I guess it's kind of Pacific Northwest because it's probably from like up, you know. Uh, it is. I was gonna tell you alcohol by volume. It's 13.4, percent which is higher than I thought because it has it's a, very light. It's a very light wine. Mm-hmm. Nothing strong and crazy here. Um, but yeah, so this came out of my Wink wine box. I got the Pacificana Merlot. It was also a choice, but I went with this one. Mm-hmm. I also got one that you're supposed to serve chilled, a red. Oh, mm-hmm. a red? Yeah, and there's a big sticker on it that says chill before That's, serving. I wonder, if it, is it like a dessert
1: wine, do you think? I don't think so. There are oh. certain
0: wines that you're supposed to chill. Mm-hmm. I forget what they are, um, of course. Dessert wines, obviously, but then there's there's a couple of table wines that you chill to. Chill to. Mm, OK. But I don't know. Sounds good. Maybe I'll save it for summer. yeah that's that's a good summer because i know so my babysitter and her mom listened to the podcast shout out ladies and they got me a peach wine that i know i wanted to try but now i feel like i'm kind of waiting for it to get warmer because that seems like a that's a good spring summer summer yeah such so i'm i'm holding it in my arsenal
1: well and i've been doing dry january so i'm gonna have a glass i am having a glass and then that's all i'm gonna have so it's like kind of the week. dry. This is January. the only time I'm drinking. Okay. Really, is during this podcast. It's for work. It's a requirement. Yeah. Really, it's for work. So we yeah. have to do this. Yeah, it's fine. All right. Uh, should we talk about survival stories? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Who should go first, Kenny? It doesn't have to be me. People might be sick of me going first.
2: What I makes? I feel you... like you should go first this you week. Think so? Okay. Yeah, right. Jenny's is a good one to end on. Okay. Yeah.
1: I might have a slight mustache sweat during this because <laughs> I did scurry and write this. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> so here we go here we go so this is the survival story of pauline dakins okay and it's a little bit different than anything i've ever done before so uh i'm going to start with a quote from her to start it so quote my brother and i would say what do you think is wrong with our family why are we so weird but that was the mystery that just did get did not get answered Hmm. Okay. So Pauline's parents, Warren and Ruth, separated when she was five. And uh, Warren, her dad, was a successful businessman, but he was also a heavy drinker. Mm. And he would become very violent to a point where her mom, Ruth, just couldn't take it anymore. So she left him. And when Pauline was seven, Ruth (coughs) took her and her brother on a holiday or vacation, as we like to call it, um, more than a thousand miles away from their home in Vancouver. So this is set in Canada. Mm. Um, but when they arrive, Ruth, her mom, told them that they were never going back. So she just wow, up Ruth. and she just up and left. Wow! So, and again, this gets it, there are a lot of details and it gets a little confusing. So let me know if you're confused by anything because I, I shall. read this multiple times and it's a little confusing. So um, when she asked her mom why that uh, she did this. She said there was never really a good explanation. She just was kind of like, "I'm the parent, you're the kid. Don't ask questions. This is what we're doing." Okay, Ruth. little extreme, little extreme, Ruth, but okay, sure. Um, she would only say, "I'm sorry, I can't tell you, but when you're older, I will tell you."
0: Oh no, this is yeah. like the the lady with the green ribbon around her neck. Do you know
1: that story? No. Oh my god. But tell me so I can take a sip. Okay, when you're
0: a little kid and they read you like scary stories to tell in the dark or some mm, bullshit mm-hmm. book. There was a story about Jenny, not me, but a lady named Jenny, and she was dating a guy and she had a green ribbon tied around her neck and she never took it off. And he was always like, what's the green ribbon? And she's like, I'll tell you one day. I'll tell you one day. Then one day when she was really old and she was on her deathbed, she said, now you can take off the Mm. green ribbon. And he took off the green ribbon and Jenny's head fell off.
1: Oh my gosh. I've heard that before.
0: Yeah. So the green ribbon was fucking holding on her
1: head. All those years. All those years. Think how dirty it was. I mean, switch I think, it out. I think how wobbly it would. Why don't been? you try like a red one after a while? Well, I don't do you
0: know. think if you take it off, it just? I don't know.
1: Maybe anyway, she, yeah, <laughs> she probably run into complications if she tried to take it off. Okay, Kay. so um, four years later, the same thing happened again. <clears throat> Her mom just basically up and moved them to New Brunswick, which is on Canada's eastern coast. Okay. Um. Apart from this, life was pretty quiet and normal. They would every time she would up and move them, they would start again, build a new life in a new town. Um, but below the surface, Pauline was always confused, anxious, and falling into a depression because she just felt like her family life was a mystery, mm-hmm. and she wasn't getting all the answers. Um, she knew something bad was happening. She said she didn't know what it was, but there was always <laughs> a sense of something dire that was unspoken. Uh, by the time she was eleven, she attended six different schools. Aww. I know. And nearly, um, also lost, sorry, she attended six different schools and also lost touch with her dad at this time. So she didn't really have a relationship with him anymore. Um, I think he was maybe in and out of prison or she wasn't really sure what happened to him. Um, But another man had come into her family's life, a church minister, um, Stan Sears. Oh, Stan. Oh, Stan Sears. So Pauline's mother had met Stan in a support group way back before she left her father. So Stan had also moved, oddly enough, around with them, but not with them. Stan. Stan, come on. The jig's up. So her mom had entered the support group for families of alcoholics, and Stan was the counselor in that group. That sounds inappropriate. Uh Uh-huh. And then um, Ruth had gone to him when she was struggling with uh, her ex-husband Warren's drinking, and she was preparing to leave him, so she went to talk to Stan as the minister Uh for some extra counseling. Mm -hmm. Extra Um, counseling, quote-unquote? Yes. So she obviously... Pauline thought it counseling. was a little weird. <laughs> Ruth got some extra counseling on the side. <laughs> Ruth got some extra counseling. Wah, 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 is that wah, what wah. the kids are calling it? Yeah. <laughs> Both times, again, every time Pauline's family disappeared, Stan's family had always moved <clears throat> somehow in the vicinity that they were moving as well. That's so he weird. was a just, I just got goosebumps That's in weird. her life. It's or very that, yeah. weird. Um let's see. So by 1988, Pauline is now 23. Mm-hmm. And she's graduated from university, and she was working at a local newspaper in the city of St. John. Don't know where that is in Canada somewhere. And her mom called her unexpectedly one day Mm -hmm. um, with a proposal. Oh, God. And her mother said, okay, I'm ready to explain all those strange things that have happened throughout your life. Oh. And um, her mom said, meet me at this... Motel. She gave her like an undisclosed motel. Creepy. And when she meant to meet her mom, her mom slipped a note in an empty envelope and she put it in her hands. And in the note it said, don't say anything, take off all your jewelry and put in the envelope. I'll explain whenever we get into the motel, just don't talk. So she takes off her jewelry and she's like, what the fuck is going on? Takes off her jewelry, puts in the envelope and goes into the motel room with her mom. Um... Whenever she enters the motel room, Stan is also in there. Stan, get the fuck Stan, out of here. Stan, go away. God. You've been here for 25 years. Get no, away. No, she's 23. You've been here for 18 years, Stan. God, Stan. Reposition. Okay. So, where was I? Okay. That Stan was in the motel room like Stan a creeper. Was in the motel room. Got it. Okay, so Stan and Ruth both sat Pauline down and explained to her that for the past 16 years, they had been on the run from the mafia. The Canadian Mafia? The Canadian Mafia. <laughs> <It> sounds terrifying. <laughs> I'm sorry. Do they say sorry a lot? I'm sorry. Do they say sorry a sorry? lot? Is that, wait, sorry. S- sorry. <laughs> um, and that Pauline's family had been targeted because of her father. Oh, OK. So Warren apparently had been involved in organized crime. And she couldn't wear her jewelry because it needed to be tested for bugs. Oh, OK. Right? little strange, Right. And Ruth is aware of this stuff. Ruth is aware. So Ruth and Stan, the mom and let's just say stepdad, um, they're both, I guess, in on it. Meaning that they've been running from the mob because of Warren. And and I'll tell you how Stan is kind of tied into this. So I still, I'm like, there's a Canadian mafia. I know, right? right? Who knew there were such badasses guys in the '80s, late '80s? Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, Pauline. As they were telling her this, her thought process was, this is unbelievable. Like, mm-hmm. like this is just what? similar to my reaction. And she remembers being scared and also terrified because it sounds like this is something that she can also never escape now. Since they've been on the run their whole lives, like, is she going to have to run as well? Right. And she might have bugged jewelry already. Right. Goddammit. So um So Stan explained that it all started after he had counseled a mafia kingpin who wanted to turn his back on his criminal past. Um, Can't turn your back on the Canadian mafia. No, they will cut you. So when the mob <laughs> discovered this, that the man had broken his code of silence and came to Stan for counseling, they assassinated the, that mob guy Uh-oh. and they had started to come after Stan thinking that he would probably know too much since he was counseling him. Well, Ruth at the same time was married or she was <laughs> the ex-wife to a mobster Warren who was supposedly was in the mob as well, mm-hmm. but was also being counseled by Stan so they also wanted to go after Ruth too because oh, she probably knew too much, and then she probably also they also thought that Stan had told her information as well. So that's why those two were targets, according mm. to Stan. Um, she said that um, Pauline was then told that each of us had somebody following us, keeping an eye on us from a distance, and that there had been many attempts to either kidnap, poison, or kill the kids and the mom or Stan, and that agents. There were good agents that were now also following them. So they had the mafia following them, but then they also had, like, government agents that were protecting them, helping them hide in these safe cities and help them move from city to city to city. Wow. um, Over the years. So it was a government-sanctioned task force. Um, Stan also explained that there were uh, shadowy communities in different parts of the country where... um, The mafia could go in protective custody, so it was basically just this whole like under undercover spiral that her, that Ruth and Stan were a part of, and Pauline was obviously brought into it because she was the daughter. Oh jeez. Um, let's see. So, Pauline spent that weekend listening to Stan and Ruth's story, which explained many of the odd things that had happened to her while she was growing up, like the time she had come into the home, come home, and her mom was throwing away all the food in the fridge. And her mom had told her that the food had gone bad, but Pauline was always confused by that because it was like ketchup and mustard and things that just don't really go bad. Um, Now Ruth had told her that really they were tipped off from the good guys that something in their refrigerator was poison. Like someone had broken into their house and poisoned something in their fridge. So she had to get rid of everything in the fridge. Um, So there was another time where the family had gone hiking in the middle of the school week and stayed overnight on a mountain cabin And this was because Stan told her that people were coming for them, so they had to hide and relocate. Um, There was also the day that the family skipped school to go bowling, and the time that the children had come home from school and been rushed through the house, told to scrub their feet and bathe. And they were made to wear plastic bags bags over their socks for the rest of the day. And this was because there was a powdery substance found in their house and they thought they were being poisoned and this was to protect them oh my god what if it was just flour right okay I get it though. That's crazy. (sighs) Crazy. Oh, speaking of flowers. So I, when Todd and I first moved to Cleveland, (laughs) sidebar, big sidebar, when we first moved to Cleveland, we lived above a house. It was like, um, a Lebanese couple and we lived on the second floor of their house and they were the lovely couple. And the homeowner, the landlord told me that the tenant before us would always throw flour on the floor because he accused them of like breaking into the apartment. So in order to catch them, he would throw flour on the floor. That way, if they broke in, there would be footprints. Mm-hmm. I, so just weird. Yeah. But if you ever want to catch someone walking in your house.
0: I've heard I, I've heard that with Santa Claus, that that's what you should do. Oh, did Declan try to do that? No, but oh. it's in a book called How to Catch Santa, which we mm. do read occasionally.
1: I would not read that to my child.
0: No, it also talks about like putting a note with glitter in it, which no. I also feel like that's a terrible that's plan. That's just as bad as flour.
1: Mm-hmm. OK. Anyway. <laughs> So, let's see. Okay. So, she was consistently looking over her shoulder for people or cars that might be following her and becoming too scared to eat at restaurants. This is um, Pauline. After her mom had told her all this. Um, She was worried about someone trying to slip something into her food. And she always had, like, planned escape routes in her home. And she was always afraid that her phone was bugged. Over time... um, More and more alarming information came from Stan and Ruth, including the news that many people they knew um, in their past weren't really the people that they seemed to be. Um, Let's see. I'm skipping some stuff because this is really long. Oh, Stan had told this elaborate story about how the government had put doubles into their life to try to protect them. So, like, let's say. Like body doubles? Like body doubles. And he had all. It was just very. It was a lot. Canada. That is Canada extra. Like, for example, Ruth, her mother, um, said when she saw her sister at a wedding, Stan had told her that it really wasn't her sister. And she was like, no, those are my, like, that's my sister. I know it is. Like, her toes are the same. And he was like, prosthetics. It's a body double. And Ruth was just like, okay. Like, it was all part of this, like, whatever. Okay. So despite being plagued by doubts, Pauline always had to acknowledge that the two people telling her these incredible stories were her, was her mom and Stan. And these are the people she trusted and only knew most in the world. So she believed everything they told her and how could she not? She said it was, they were crazy stories and she did have some challenges believing it, but she says, if I couldn't trust them, who could I trust? Um, But Pauline began to feel that her work as a reporter and covering school board meetings and town councils, um, it was all irrelevant at this point because she had to go into hiding and it just seemed so stupid. Um, And she had been sworn to secrecy by Stan and Ruth. So she decided to break up with her boyfriend and go into hiding with Stan and Ruth because they were moving again. Um, Stan told her that he would help uh, get her into a house and set her up like he did with Ruth. And, um, Stan also said that he could get her a job inside doing work, that there was work to be done, that the, um, government agency needed help and he could set her up with that. This Um, sounds very fishy. Yes. So he was building a cottage for himself and Ruth. And again, he could arrange one for her too. So, um, he brought her carpet samples and showed her plans of, you know, photos of the house and this horse that he was going to buy her and all this stuff so Pauline left her job sold her house broke up with her boyfriend moved to Nova Scotia which is where the new house was going to be and she found work and a new home and while her and her mo- mother waited word that it was safe to go um, and move about the community and stuff like that so 1993 five years later um, she had gone back into the secret life with her mom and um, she said that she was at war with herself consistently, and she wanted to find some definitive way to prove it right or wrong. She just said everything seemed to be too, just bizarre and unbelievable, and mm-hmm. sh- they weren't allowed to make friends with anybody or talk to anybody. And the Canadian mafia part, and, sounds the ca- and back totally, to the Canadian totally mafia, totally yeah. fake, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Pauline decided to set up a sting, and she knew that Stan was visiting her mother, so she called her mom and said, "Somebody's broken into my house. What should I do?" And Pauline's mother replied, "I'll go ask our friend and Stan, and I'll call you back." So Stan had made it clear to Pauline and Ruth that they were never to go to the police to report any threats or stranger like strange things going on in their lives or the house. Um, so if there was ever any trouble, they should just come to him, and he would let you know his people know, mm-hmm. and they would look into it. This sounds like a cult. Yeah. A little bit, right? And he also told her that he had this device in his wallet, which was like a Morse code device. All oh, just weird, crazy things. If okay. you guys didn't see my face right now, right? It's, there was a big should. eye roll, it's a big huge eye <laughs> roll. So, Ruth called Pauline back a few minutes later and said she was terrified because it was the moment that she was going to get the answer. So basically, she's setting up her mom and Stan to find out if this is really happening. So mm-hmm. she's lying to them and saying someone I'm broke into her house. Very excited about this. And so, Ruth calls her back. And says that she must get come to her house immediately. Oh, okay. God. And once there, Pauline listened and was horrified as Ruth and Stan sat her down and told her that two people had been picked up just down the street from her house earlier that day. And they had photographs of her and had been following her and were looking for certain things in her house. And at that moment, Pauline knew the whole thing was fake. And basically that no one was in her house and Ruth and Stan were just... Either fucking crazy or liars or something was going on. Oh my God. Her mother? Well, so it turns out, and again, this is like. If you tell me Ruth is not her mother, I'm going to die. No, Ruth is her mother. Ruth actually. So Pauline confronts her mom. Her mom believes Stan. Stan is behind all of this. Of course. So Stan is kind of like the puppeteer of all of this. Mm-hmm. Ruth sadly believes him and has lived her life by all of these crazy things that he's told her. Um, it's actually called, Pauline later went to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, psychiatrist rather, um, that said that it sounds like a case of folie a Folie, folie hmm Is that, is that mm-hmm. how you say it? ado which is a sy- which is a syndrome in which symptoms of delusional belief are transmitted from one dominant personality Stan mm-hmm. to a less dominant personality Ruth. Mm-hmm. I yeah. didn't know it was a thing. Oh yeah.
0: So Stan- in, in the true crime
1: world, it's a thing. Oh shit. Well, Stan- it happens a lot more than Stan think. had this. And, um, you know, Pauline confronted them. She separated herself from the family. She now currently lives a normal life. Mm -hmm. Um, Stan has passed away since. And she said the minute that Stan passed away, everything stopped. Of course it did. Like, of course, no one, they didn't. But Ruth, to her dying, she did take care of her mom when she had cancer. And until her dying day, Ruth still believed that she was in danger and that Stan... You know, that all of the mob was still after them and all that stuff. So again, as soon as you said Canadian mafia, I was like, you were yeah. like, you were like, when I, I first read the check. story, I was like, I'm in, this is so interesting. Then, then I got in the middle. And I'm like, now I'm confused. And then yeah. again, you said Canadian mafia. Mm-hmm. I said, they're too nice for that shit. She said she feels sad for herself and her brother. Um, and as their two little kids, their lives were just hijacked from them, from yeah. moving and, and believing all this stuff. Um, she now has worked for many years for she's a she works for Canada's national broadcaster, uh, CBC, and is a is now a assistant professor at a school of journalism. Um, in Canada, and she is also an author of Run, Hide, Repeat, a memoir of Wh- Fugitive Town What uh-huh. That sounds real similar to Sip, Survive, Repeat. It sure does. <laughs> so I know that was kind of messy and it was no. a lot of information, but that is the survival story of Pauline Dakin and how she got her life back after being her on the run a liar. her entire life. But her mom him. I know, him. I know. It was the guy. And she did forgive her mom. She said it was really hard to, but she took care of her when she was sick and oh, ill. Of course. And they don't really say what happened to the brother,
0: but Maybe he just was like maybe he was like me and was like, Canadian mafia. Please, mom.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> roll. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Again. So very different story, but Wow. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it was something. I was really like
0: I, 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 no, I was I no I was on board I was okay. on board I was on board and then you said Canadian Mafia and I was like no and then you didn't Can't, believe it it cannot be <laughs> I do not believe such a thing
1: <laughs> I'm sorry let's hear it oh my god Kenny said yours is really good <laughs> no really good but it's interesting
2: I said unique I don't know I don't know that all the me, details that, I
1: heard that translates to me really good okay
2: <laughs> it's a different type of story that's for sure okay
1: okay so sorry
0: There was a, hold on. There was a family who lived in, lived right outside of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, It was the Almeida family. Okay. Uh, The dad in this family was big into collecting things that he found on the side of the road. So he would go out and he would like, it was 1982 is about the time of the story. I know. Wait, what year? Like nineteen eighty two, is when this kind of took place. So like trash or he, like... so he would pick up like electronics. So Ugh. like old record players and, Sorry. and I cassette hate... players and TVs and VCRs and like things that people would leave on the road mm-hmm. to be collected for trash. He would pick them up, refurbish and he, them. and probably. he would take, well, he would take them back to a shed and he would try and like make them into something. Okay. better.
1: That's cool. I just never want that in my house. That's why I said I it don't was. know if
0: it was in some stories I read, it was a shed. In some stories, it said it was a room. Okay. Right now, this story that I got is mostly from uh, uh, National Geographic. Oh. So this one is uh, a shed. But I've also heard a, a locked a room in the house, but whatever. Okay. So
1: um, there was a little girl. Hang on. I got to find her name. Da-da-da-da. Because if Todd went around and picked up stuff off the side of the road and brought it back to rehab And my house was just full of like electronics i would kill someone kill him yeah not really but i would be not happy anyway so
0: they had kids uh the the father who collected junk (laughs) and uh he had a daughter named lanita and lanita in 1982 got a tortoise as a pet okay so um it was a red-footed tortoise named manuela
1: Oh, isn't that cute? Yeah.
0: Um, and back in 1982, uh, Manuela mysteriously went missing. Mm. They assumed that the, that their pet had lumbered out of the house after some builders were there and left the front door
1: open. I mean, have you seen a tortoise move? Yes. That's, that's why I think they use the word lumber. Yeah. <laughs> I think someone might notice a slow tortoise running out but of the house. But here's okay. the thing.
0: they were working on the house. That they left the front door open. OK. And they left. And so no one was home for a while. Uh, OK.
1: So it's not like they were still working all day and the tortoise just snuck out. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's no, not.
0: No. I think they
1: left the door open when they left. I don't know. It it does, I mean, they don't
0: get super specific here. But uh, so they left the front door ajar. And so they just assumed that Manuela, the tortoise, Took a hike out. Um, So anyway, recently, the father of the Almeida family passed away. Okay. And so the shed that he had always kept locked was to be unlocked and sorted through to go through his things and get rid of things. It has now been 30 years since Manuela has gone missing. So they're cleaning out the shed. They're putting things on the curb to be taken away. And somebody... uh, Leandro Almeida, who's the son in the story, um, he he said, I put a box on the pavement with rubbish that was meant to be collected. And a neighbor said, hey, you're not going to throw out the turtle as well, are you? And he said, I looked down, and I saw her. (laughs) And at that moment, I turned white. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. She was still alive? The box contained an old record player and their long-lost tortoise, still alive after three decades. How? I know, right? I know. I know. I know. Ah,
1: ah, a tortoise. It was just spinning on the record, having a (laughs) good time all those years. (laughs) So um,
0: the sister, Lenita, said, we're also thrilled to have Manuela back um, because that was my childhood pet, but no one can understand how she managed to survive for 30 years in there. It's just Unbelievable. So then the next question in this little blog article is, how did the tortoise survive? Um, a lot of the experts were stumped. Uh, Jefferson Perez, a Rio-based veterinarian, uh, said that red-footed tortoises have been known to go for, um, without eating for two or three weeks at a time.
1: But he, 30 years? hmm
0: He said he's never known one to live for 30 years. That's off the charts. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> he said he speculated that Manuela had survived by eating termites and other small insects that may have gotten in mm-hmm. uh, and also licking any condensation that may have crept in oh, to poor the shed. Oh, Um He said turtles also have reserved fat pads that they can draw on when there's uh, little food. Um, and a guy, Anthony Pilney, who is a veterinary surgeon and specialist in birds and reptiles, uh, had said by email that. That's how they survive. Is that they have these fat pads. Um, they can go like snakes. They can go for long periods of time without eating. Um, they can also turtles can also lower their body temperature and other physiological processes. To help. Um, in and so they can kind of be in a temporary state of right. So it's it almost like hibernation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been recommended that pet owners not try this with
1: their tortoises and turtles at home. So wait, do you think he was stuck in... He wasn't stuck in the box the whole time, clearly. He was like... Do you think he was like roaming around the shed? Oh, yeah. Or, I, think, okay. I think
0: he was like roaming around the shed, eating insects and whatever he could Just find. living his
1: best life. In the shed. Through the electronics and... What? It,
0: I'm like, I hope that had windows or something. Like, I feel so bad for this poor tortoise. I,
1: I mean, for it to survive that long, it had to have some type of something. I don't know.
0: <sighs> I don't know. We talked about that girl who was locked in a basement for 20-something years. That's she didn't true. have any windows. No, she didn't. Um. So... Uh, As for Manuela, the tortoise, Pilney had some advice for the family. He said they should go very slowly. Start by warming her up and rehydrating before feeding. Give her warm water. Hold on. I'm turning the page because I printed it out like an old woman. Oh, give her warm water soaks. Oh, little soaks. Sweet baby. And then a small meal after
1: she seems stable. She deserves the best small (laughs) meal ever for her first meal back.
0: So um, then I have a little bit of information on red-footed tortoises. So get ready. I'm ready. Uh, in the dry forests and grasslands of South and Central America, uh, it, that's where they live. They cons- consume virtually anything, which I think is part of the reason that Manuel was able to yeah. live. They'll eat fruits, flowers, leaves, dead animals, even feces. So I wonder if she ate her own poo. I mean, hey, a girl's
1: got to do what a girl's got to do. Agreed. Um, they're very outgoing. They're curious about their surroundings. Yeah, they are. So much they go out front doors.
0: And they enjoy having their head rubbed. I want one. <laughs> I know, right? Um, they have little fear of people, which is one reason that a lot of people like to keep them as pets. Um, and then the question is posed in this blog, should we keep these creatures in our homes? And Pilney said, yes and no. He said, they have reptiles have certain nutritional needs. Um, and they're more likely than other pets to suffer Mm. from a variety of captivity induced problems. Um, it's, the guy said, if you choose to own a reptile, you have to be fully committed or else
1: get a cat. Right. (laughs) Like let them have some, like put their feet in the grass a little bit, like let them in the backyard, you know, give them some natural sunlight. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let me tell you how to raise your tortoise. Exactly. I've never had one.
0: No, but we're going to tell you exactly what to do. Pilney also shared a survival story about his own red-eared slider water turtle. Excuse me? He said, (laughs) I have no idea. Uh, (laughs) He said he had one and it vanished one day from the tank. He said he looked everywhere. He turned his apartment upside down, but no avail. And he said, three months later, I was packing to move. And while I was cleaning out my bedroom closet, I found him in a shoe buried in the back of the closet. He wasn't responsive or moving, but didn't look dead, so I dropped him in the tank. Oh. Get ready. <laughs> These little guys just like to hide. <laughs> Get ready. Nothing happened for a few minutes. <laughs> he sank. But then he suddenly came alive and acted as if nothing had happened. Psych, psych. psych. Turtles are weird. And
1: he was in a shoe? He was in a shoe. He was hiding in a shoe. How big do you think this turtle was?
0: Well, this is a different Manuel. kind of turtle. I know. But- Manuel, uh, I don't think it really said they had pictures on, and like I'll obviously post them. Like a big, them. huge
1: box turtle.
0: <laughs> um, I mean it's a tortoise, so it's. I'm, I'm guessing it's like the size of a large cantaloupe, maybe. Okay. That the pic- I'll show you the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> you like that visual? Wow, Did man. you, wow. Kenny? So well,
2: I, I like that your hands were like. At least like three feet apart. And a cantaloupe's like a foot. Right. So like, it's like, it's like, like a large big. cantaloupe.
0: It's like a huge fucking cantaloupe.
1: It's like a watermelon. <laughs> oh, okay. I think is what it's like. You... It's like a
0: big what no, I think it's I think it is like a, a cantaloupe.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't I know. Thank God someone saw him in the box. Yeah. Like, yeah. Can you, you imagine? He, like he survived for
0: thirty flipping years in this shed and then, shed and then he suddenly he gets eaten by a trash compactor. Terrible. I wonder if the dad. I mean, she. It's a she.
1: I wonder if the dad knew, and all those years just was like keeping him in the shed, to, like as like a little pet.
0: I don't think so. I don't think so. But I'm just like, did the dad just collect trash and not do anything with it? Because like, how would you it not notice like a That's turtle? What I'm
1: saying like, how does he not know?
0: I don't know, but I like it. I like so that cute. this tortoise survived for th-
1: thirty that years. A true survival story. <laughs> That's a fucking cap- survival story. Captivity. <laughs> That's captivity, well Unknown captivity. So they took the family, took the tortoise back mm-hmm. in. And yeah. She's living, she's her, living best her life. She's living her life. Yeah. With warm soaks.
0: Yes. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, uh, tortoises, uh, giant tortoises can live um, up to, I think the longest one lived uh, at the Calcutta Zoo and was 255 years old.
1: Holy. And s-
0: finally died of liver failure in 2006. Oh. But 255 years? damn that's a long sign yeah so being 30 years in a shed i guess is just like a small portion of the tortoise's yeah, they're life
1: like this i'm still i'm still in my infancy
0: right so okay. i think it's i think everything's a-okay but anyway that's the story of manuela great the tortoise i who love survived
1: it. i love it <laughs> manuela i thought you were gonna say like the dad like kept someone in his shed or something but no he did. i mean he did he it was did. just it was a manuela tortoise. manuela the tortoise the tortoise
0: <laughs> i mean I hope, are there pictures her? can just, you post yes, pictures ever? yes okay. i will post pictures <laughs> she's so cute all right, Kenny. Kenny.
2: Okay, so weird news this week. A retiring Wisconsin teacher was fined over $6,000 for doing what in a park? S- mm.
0: Did it say what kind of teacher or just a retired? Um,
2: he's an English teacher.
0: A, a retired or a current?
2: He's retiring based off of his actions in the park.
1: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Um. He, he didn't say that, but. I mean, these yeah. actions came out, and he's all of a sudden retiring.
1: OK. Interesting. Yeah. OK. Um, hmm. Uh, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, streaking. But I feel like that's too, that's not weird enough. No. Right? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say,
0: like, you know, whipping it out. Yeah. But I, I think, I mean, that doesn't seem like something you just retire or from. Like, I think there'd be say, a lot more. I feel like
1: it's something to do with, like, no having no clothes on. So I'm going to say, like, flying a kite naked in the park. Wow. OK. okay. Um, I'm
0: going to say, did, 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 what time of year did this happen? Jenny, you're so good
1: at this.
2: I'll, it happened over a period of time, so oh. ev- literally every season of the year. Every okay,
1: so this wasn't. Just it was one over occasion.
2: a two-year period. I'll give. You I'm going to
0: say he was. Okay. Mine's not going to be swimming slash bathing in the
2: fountain. In Wisconsin, in every season.
1: Oh shit!
2: I mean, you can go with it. I'm no, g- I'm just no, no, saying, no, 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 no! Like, I guess I forgot it, it was in Wisconsin. in Wisconsin. Okay,
0: shh, hold on. So cold but every season.
2: Oh.
1: <gasps> Pooping in the park.
2: Ding 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 ding.
1: Yes, <laughs> every time. But see, here's the thing, Jenny gives it so much thought, and I just say the first thing that comes to
2: mind. The the first paragraph of this article is insane. A Let's, retired a retired English teacher in Wisconsin was fined over $6,000 for repeatedly defecating on and around a building in a public why? park for 2 years. Jeffrey Churchwell, reportedly admitted to Wadsworth County Sheriff's <laughs> Office that had frequently pooped in Natureland Park since 2017, sometimes multiple times a day.
1: Was it close <laughs> to the school and he was afraid of pooping in the school? Yeah. Did he have a fear of pooping in public I, places? I don't
2: know. I mean, he's doing it in as public as a place as you can. But maybe like
1: a workplace. Like maybe he doesn't want to poop at work.
2: Maybe he's, like they said, so he drove there the every day, though. Like, Aww. So it wasn't like a walk.
1: Yeah, that's I was going to say, if
2: it's like
0: real close to the school and he has like a fear of pooping in front of coworkers, like maybe yeah. I could get behind that. But, but, he, but
1: again, then you're going to a public, <coughs> to the park to poop out in the open. But at true, least you probably true. won't know anyone. Does it say where <coughs> he would do it? it? It was around a building? Around
2: a building. He would allegedly do the deed up to five times a week and left the dirty toilet paper behind. Ew, the oh. parks department had to clean up the messes multiple times, sometimes pressure washing the building and repairing the paint. He was identified in October after his car and part of his license plate were caught on a surveillance footage and given to officials. They stopped him when he was driving to the car park to do the deed again, and he quickly admitted to be the culprit, claiming he did it because of stupidity, convenience, and he wanted Conf- to be disrespectful to the park he didn't like.
1: What? What a dick. What a weirdo. And here's the thing. Why are you using toilet paper if you're going outside? Like, just... Right? Well, like just I mean, go in the bathroom then if you're going to like fully do it right. Like, if well, you're yeah, gonna, here's the thing. I would say like if you're a leaf, I get it. If you're a guy and you pee
0: in a public place, like it's easy, you have like a handle. I get that. That's fine. But if you're pooping, it's basically like you're a chick. You have to take your pants all the way
1: off and squat it on down. Yeah. And now you're littering too. I mean, so yes. i also wiping with toilet paper. I'm just, I, and how do you hate a park? What the fuck's wrong right,
0: with like the park? What did it do to you? right it has trees Hmm.
2: i think they didn't go into detail here's the question i'm surprised he was only fined six thousand dollars he's been doing this for two years
0: if someone poops in a
1: park and no one's around to hear it it i mean i bet like the first
2: (laughs) first month or so people are probably like oh whatever but they
1: probably thought it was like dog poop or something except for the except for the
2: toilet toilet paper paper. yeah two years that's a long time
1: that's insanity good riddance
0: wow Mm -hmm. an english teacher too what if you had him as a teacher
2: He's like, they. I think he's like sixty-three. So, so I he's mean, probably gonna live a bit longer. A, yeah, yeah, a bunch that. of the bunch of the town definitely had him as a teacher. Wow, okay.
0: nothing says
1: cool like a teacher that defecates in public. That takes a poo in the park. Poo in the park, <laughs> and then wipes what, what's his, his, bu- his name?
2: Something Churchwell. Wait, one second, one second. It was Jeffrey Churchwell. Oh, I was hoping it started
0: with a P. I was gonna say poop in the park, Paul. <laughs> poopy poop poop but no mm. poop in the park Jeffrey (laughs) not as catchy that's fine um great that's neat it's a really neat neat story (laughs) I feel like I'm on delicious dish neat oh wonderful um thank you guys for listening if you want to leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts we will send you a sticker that'd be great and we'll see you next week for another sip survive repeat goodbye
2: bye (laughs)
0: Hey guys, it's Jenny from Sip, Survive, Repeat, and we love our listeners, but we want to get some more ratings and reviews. So if you guys could log on to Apple Podcasts and then give us a rating and a review, we'll send you a sticker. All you need to do is send us a screenshot of your rating and your review to either our email, sipsurviverepeat at gmail.com, or direct message us, or DM us as the kids like to say, on any social media. So all you have to do again is is rate and review on apple podcasts and take a screenshot of that and send it to us at one of the channels i just mentioned and we'll send you a sip survive repeat sticker and it's big you guys size of your hand at least so again send it to us and we'll see you soon